0: Welcome back, everyone, to the LawCast. I am Chris Decenter, and this is Melanie Tholey. We are both solicitors here at MJT Law, and we're back for another week. Another we are. Another installment. Um, I know you've been doing quite a lot of scribbling away about a topic that you'll Whole dear, certainly, and uh, one which is quite interesting.
1: It is. This is. Today's podcast is all about solicitors behaving mm. badly, mm. and... Look, I know that there's you know a lot of uh solicitors out there, and and most of them 99.9% of them do not behave badly. No, when they do, it is wild,
0: yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's you know, there's plenty of things on popular media about lawyers being sharky and uh, you know,
1: liars for a living and all that sort of thing. know,
0: for anyone that follows uh, the the popular TV show, uh, uh. Better call Saul, you would see <laughs> i yeah.
1: not seeing that shark.
0: Basically about a very sharky uh <laughs> lawyer. Um I for one can assure you that ninety nine point nine percent of lawyers are yeah, complete the, opposite. The
1: reason why it makes and in fact
0: you get in trouble for anything to do with half <laughs> the stuff that goes on.
1: And this is what we're talking about yes. today. So um yeah, in in fact, the reason why television is so interesting is because it is art imitating art it is not life imitating art it's not art imitating life it is literally fake it's all most of it all fake
0: most of it though but these are the situation
1: where yeah i've
0: got
1: got some really fun ones here and there is my personal favorite in there as well so it's an old case but the the rest of them are all very new in the last couple of years so i'm just going to kick it off go Um, for it and so this one is uh A barrister um, or solicitor Mm -hmm. in New South Wales harassed a junior solicitor had found that there was unsatisfactory conduct. Now, this is about Mr. Raphael and Ms. X, and this is back in June 2017. Now, the language is that she was sitting in a conference room alone with the door closed while she obtained information from her supervising solicitor. Sure. So this is a chat. This is a, a young girl in a room. Alone with an older solicitor. Yeah. Now the respondent entered the room and, after referring to Ms X's wedding ring, said words to the effect, "Won't your husband get jealous because we're spending so much time together? He'll think something's going on." She could.
0: She understandably uh, that is upset. A little edgy. A
1: little Now. And it says here, during the conversation, um, Ms. X became visibly upset and began to cry. And the respondent places arms on her shoulder for between 10 to 20 seconds, kissed her on top of her head and said, don't worry, you poor thing.
0: So the employment lawyers out there are all screaming out (laughs) so
1: they did talk about sexual harassment and at the time that she she was a junior solicitor and he was 78 years old yes so there were lots and lots of issues on this one which i thought you know you can just you can delve into it and Mm. you know behavior constituted unsatisfactory professional conduct and you know whether the audits were appropriate now respect to the first issue So there were two issues, whether it was unsatisfactory conduct and whether the orders were appropriate. Yes. Um, With respect to the first issue, the tribunal found that in the definition of sexual harassment um, and the barrister rules that they, they considered those two. And the barrister rules on this particular point, I have them here. Barrister rule 125 defines workplace bullying as unreasonable behaviour that could reasonably be execute, expected to, to, to intimidate, degrade, humiliate, isolate, alienate or cause serious offence to a person in the
0: workplace. It's ticking a few boxes. Well, though. I
1: think so. It's ticking off well, The tribunal boxes, felt yeah. <laughs> so. The tribunal concluded that by putting his arm around her and kissing her on the head, that he engaged in conduct that constituted sexual harassment. And they found that unsolicited act of physical in- intimacy together with the respondent's comment, won't your husband be jealous? Mm. Yeah. Created
0: a sexual element to it. That's
1: right. Regardless of the respondents intentions, his actions objectively had sexual undertones yep. and involved an overt act of sexual intimacy. Yep. Yeah. Because he wouldn't be kissing some dude on the head. No. <laughs> no, 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 It's <laughs> And hard. yeah,
0: crazy. I think that's a fairly clear case of sexual harassment. But one of the interesting things about this is that this isn't...
1: This is not about sexual harassment.
0: Yes. So it's not a case about
1: yeah and we'll remind it's not like you
0: she, you know it's not like she's suing him for compensation no due to the,
1: no so we'll keep reminding you um the, the viewers and the listeners hmm. um of this because we're talking about when solicitors get into trouble for being be, badly behaved as the role of a solicitor yeah this is about you know legal services commission conduct stuff so um so there was all this and then it says uh Regardless of the response intentions, his, his actions were objectively sexual. Um, the, the tribunal noted there was a vast power imbalance, and she was an inexperienced mm-hmm. solicitor. He was extremely experienced, and a reasonable person, having regard to all circumstances, would have anticipated that she would have been offended, humiliated, and intimidated. And I just and they, they talk about workplace bullying under section one twenty five of the Barrister Rules, which goes to that. Mm. Yeah, goes to that one we just mentioned. Um, and it says, and uh, and just going to the, the solicitor part of this, it says, moreover, the respondent's conduct, while not dishonest, was otherwise discreditable to a barrister and likely to diminish public confidence in the legal profession or administration of justice.
0: And therein lies the, the problem where, the, yeah, in the problem where uh, it's essentially showing that he's basically no longer fit and proper. That's right. Because fit and proper has... has you know a few different elements one being the way in which an action may be perceived by the public um and you can certainly see the public's not going to take too kindly to a profession that seeks to not necessarily protect but in many ways condone
1: yeah sexual harassment, by silence or by, by silence. About.
0: Um, and it's not something that uh i think is becoming of of a solicitor and especially a senior one?
1: Well, this is really interesting because, of course, both parties get a chance to have a say here. So, mm. you know, the Legal Service Commission being the um, applicant's kind of um, proponent here and then they've got the defendant themselves, yeah. the uh, respondent on this. And the tribunal accepted that the, um, the respondent's evidence and supported by several referees, so he dragged a pile of people into this um, who knew him well, that he did not intend to distress, upset, humiliate or embarrass her. Now, And the tribunal didn't accept that. Because no, actually, no, why because it's also would an objective that? Yeah, so mm-hmm. like, do. Says, however, in the light of extensive media coverage about sexual harassment in the legal profession, and having been spoken to by colleagues about similar remarks he's made in the past, right. the tribunal noticed that the respondent's initial complete lack of understanding of the nature and potential effect of the behaviour was of considerable concern.
0: And that's that's a fair enough comment. I mean, if it's been going on for some some time, it seems there like might be some similar.
1: Yeah. maybe not so and serious the, is,
0: circumstances in the this, this is
1: all about fit and proper. What does somebody feel like? This is going to be acceptable mm. behaviour in the workplace. And it's really interesting because we get some insight into some of the defence here because the tribunal further stated that the respondent needs to understand that this kind of conduct is not perceived by the vast majority of women to be comforting, chivalrous or even vaguely humorous. Exactly. I mean... So it's an interesting insight into why they made the decision that they made. Um in terms of, you know, um, I can't remember where this guy was struck off in the end, but you know, they disciplined him Mm. for essentially behaving like a douche.
0: (laughs) I mean, when we're thinking about these disciplinary, uh, issues, um, we're thinking about you know what is and isn't a fit and proper person and you know basically who should be and who should not be in the profession that's right and although this may not necessarily be the way it's it's done i certainly see it as one as a starting point as both as a as a general public being the upholders of the rule of law and etc uh and as a profession ourselves is to look at what we want our lawyers to be. That's right. You know, what does the public want the lawyers to be and what do the lawyers themselves want each other to be? And I think as a starting point, that's a really good place to to go because when you think about his actions, I don't think the public necessarily wants its lawyers to, one, be committing what in different circumstances, you know, under different
1: sections, in, a, in a different in, environment. In a different
0: environment, may have conceived to be,
1: Sexual, criminal. Yeah, or, uh, yeah, criminal or sexual <laughs> harassment under the Act.
0: Yeah, um, and neither do the lawyers. I mean, we know that over 50% of, of lawyers are female. That's right. I think it's abundantly clear that that would not be perceived to be something that is very comfortable or welcomed uh, by at least, you know, if not more.
1: Well, the tribunal yeah. feels the same way. So, this is a really interesting mm. segue because what we're talking about here is what the public perceive us to be, Mm. and this administration of justice and the confidence that public have in their lawyers and the Mm. administration of justice, and in many ways that that undertones everything that we're going to be talking about today. Mm. This is a really interesting one. This is a former solicitor who's refused um, anonymity um, in a professional misconduct proceedings, and (laughs) in this case, this woman, Michelle... Cherie Harrington had engaged in professional misconduct in relation to five occasions over several years.
0: Oh, so that was found. No, that's quite. It's,
1: it's, it's quite big. And uh, the, his honor noted that some of Ms. Harrington's professional misconduct related to the management of trust account in her firm, right. Harrington Legal. So, okay, we'll keep moving forward here. One charges a legislator of competence and diligence with respect to the management of the firm's trust account. Now, so we're talking about a solicitor who's already been disciplined and she is seeking to have her name kind of hidden mm-hmm. from the public. Yeah. And when we're talking about this, um, they canceled their practicing certificate back in March, 2019. Oh, so, and so So. she's now She's now, an- wanting to come back. Or? No, 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 no. This is about keeping her name out of, the documents, right. Ms. X, as such. Right, a confidentiality. Yeah. Confidentiality. Order, yeah. And uh, his honour said um, that Ms. Harrington has asked for the tribunal to make an order to suppress the publication of her name. or oh, publication of her yeah. matter. Um, Ms. Harrington asked the tribunal to make a non-publication order. He said the only basis for making the request is a concern that Ms. Harrington's past health issues may have an impact on her present employment if published publicly. And he goes on to say that that concern is not, however, sufficient to warrant a non-publication order. And in any event, there is a clear public interest in the circumstances of Miss Harrington's contraventions, and the orders have been made to be publicly available. So, yes. really, what they've said is,
0: well, I mean, this is going back to to open justice
1: it, in the end. It does, it's, and it's, and we ask our policemen to. To or police officers, I should say policemen. It's terrible, isn't it? Um, we ask our police officers to hold themselves to a higher standard, and yeah. in fact, they they do get penalised sometimes quite severely for not doing that. And I think people fail to see that that happens to us too,
0: all the time. All the time. Um, and it, as I said, it comes back to uh, actually a very old uh, maxim in many ways about open justice, uh, which is. It's in the public's interest to know what goes on in in the society and if there is disciplinary matters which are happening which may have an effect on someone down the track and they ought to know about the it. The
1: effect of administration. Mean,
0: back in the oldie times, this would have been, uh, you know, a, a, literally a public court with, you know... That's right. You know, people yeah. witnessing and actually if viewing... standing
1: it, there watching it all happen. Um,
0: but the same thing kind of applies. Um, and, I mean, now with Google uh in a simple google search would have would have brought that person's name yeah, and, and a future employer or someone who may have some concerns around what she did in the past ought to know about it
1: well yes in fact yeah i mean it it, it probably permeates through you know most of the things that she mm. does now bad decisions from lawyers create bad futures for lawyers sometimes and it, and it
0: goes to um one of the key outcomes when it comes to any type of disciplinary matter, whether it be criminal, whether it be professional, whether it be anything for that matter, uh, about deterrence and deterrence only happens if people know about it.
1: Yeah. And mm. it. it's, it's not a crime until you get caught type of thing. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think that the next two are going to be, I think some of your favorites. Mm. So this is a quick, um, QCAT strikes off solicitor for practicing without a practicing certificate.
0: Right. This uh, is one that comes up. Uh, I don't think too many people find themselves in before the, before the LSC because of it, but it certainly gets warned an awful lot.
1: This is a really interesting one because what people don't know about practicing certificates is there is a hierarchy of practicing yes, certificates yes. just because your little brother became a solicitor two weeks ago does not mean they can help you today with their legal problem. Even
0: worse if they, uh, they haven't even got. Admitted. They're are law
1: students they're law still, st- or they're yeah, yeah. between even, that even work, even worse,
0: they haven't even finished law degree.
1: <laughs> well, this one was struck off. And oh, right. uh, so. the specific charge, they were, were a number <laughs> of them. <laughs> I, I, I just love these cases because hmm. they're so wild. So the respondent engaged in legal practice without holding a practicing certificate. He applied for a practicing certificate certificate, which had not been issued due to the respondent's failure to make payment. Oh, okay, so. that's interesting. Um, Engage in legal practice, sending correspondence including offer to settle on letterhead with a signature block, which represented that he was a principal of Martin Doyle law. Princi- so a principal. Well, yeah, a right? principal solicitor is and charge to the respondent represented or advertised an entitlement to engage, engage in legal practice when he wasn't mm-hmm. on his website when mm-hmm. he wasn't entitled to number three, the respondent purported to act for a party and dishonestly represented to another party and um, that the court date had been set when no application had been filed and no hearing date.
0: <laughs> right. So
1: you just making stuff up, just making stuff up in number,
0: order to achieve an outcome.
1: Number four, failed to maintain reasonable standards of competence and diligence by wrongly stating in a letter that it was a general requirement under law for an executor to reside in Queensland. When there was no such requirement, right? Representing in a meeting that the respondent was going to bring applications which were not legally available in the circumstances, and representing in the same meeting that he spent around twenty grand of costs already, which was false. He's just making shit up, bro.
0: So he's just he's lying. Yeah, just. And uh, but
1: to what purpose? I mean, where's his end game here to get? His client, the best result possible. Is that where he was going with? this? I us?
0: imagine it probably is, and we've we've actually spoken about this on the podcast before. Um, that one of one of the reasons a lot of people get into well, not a lot of a lot of the reasons for people getting into trouble as solicitors when it, it comes to dishonesty, and they are extremely harsh on it. Uh, and one of them, one of the reasons being is we need to be able to trust each other, or else. That's right. Smoke and mirrors will only seek to harm the public because That's right. uh, negotiations are going to get very difficult. If yeah. I mean, it seems to me that he's, although I haven't read the case, it seems he's probably saying it in the scheme of... of
1: Negotiating. You
0: know, yeah, or, or putting, a, putting a client in a position to make the other side feel exposed such that they might settle. But if everyone is lying then <laughs> everything anyone says is meaningless well that's right you can't you, you possibly know if it's a lie or not
1: and you, you can't buy into it i mean it's not a case of honesty is the best policy it's a case of honesty is the only Absolutely. policy
0: and actually that case seems to also show that um in many ways competency is a simple threshold yes it's, it's not it's not a range of competency required it is you need to be competent or not and you will need to be correct absolute
1: well th- this guy go- i think this goes further as well because people see people think solicitors are all about you know big teeth, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. and
1: you far probably very
0: p- threatening yeah
1: very like threatening that. and this is what the commission had to say about some of the some of their conduct um, the respondent in his submissions characterised the conduct as assisting a friend in legal trouble over mm-hmm. a six to eight week period which he didn't have a practising certificate. The tribunal considered, however, his conduct not, not evolved only practising without a certificate, mm. but dishonesty, misleading statements, unethical dealings and actions that displayed incompetence and unacceptable threats to a layperson. They, they said, had Mr Doyle behaved in a courteous, honest and competent way in that six to eight period when assisting a friend particularly given the long delay in prosecution of these charges um, and its impact on him, then there would have been some considerable force in his submissions that he had learned his lesson. And an adequate response to the charges would have been a reprimand. But that is not the situation.
0: So not only has he acted... Well, not only has he acted... Not only was he unlawfully, true, because no, he was
1: practicing the, practicing Yeah.
0: Not only was he not truly a lawyer in the way we would conceive it to be, but he hasn't even acted in a way which was becoming of one. That's right. Because he's not—he's not even upholding the basic ethical standards.
1: We do come across. It's—I think—hard to say whether it's becoming more and more prevalent, but I think we're getting better at it personally. As we come across every now and again a lawyer who seems to feel that. Being obstructive at every single turn is the right move to make, and it really isn't. No, I don't. It
0: doesn't work. I just
1: do not feel that being obstructive, angry, you know, just always saying no, you know, being the opposition is always the way to move something forward. And in this case, you know, I think he felt foul, I felt I fell fell of of this. And it says, while the um, tribunal acknowledges the respondent's 10 years of blameless practice, it ultimately determines that not, um, that the only order which would sufficiently protect the public and the retribution and and, sorry, and the reputation of the legal profession was to recommend that it be removed from the role. So again, it goes to what the public are going to be seeing us as.
0: Mm. And isn't it interesting that they've also added another level of intricacy to what our uh ethics need to be, which is when you're dealing with a lay person, mm. um, something that, that may, you know, many people may not be aware of is when you're dealing as lawyers, dealing with lay people or just non lawyers in this case, um, you do have to take a, a, a different approach, don't you?
1: you really do because we're expect, we understand things with a certain set of lenses and we tell our clients how to understand that set of lens. i mean that's part of our job but when we're when we're dealing with the other side they don't have that lens to look through and we've got to be really careful that we're not being overbearing and forcing someone to a position because they just don't understand where it is because of this persona that lawyers are liars that we're always trying to pull the wool over somebody's eyes we have to make sure that the other side who aren't re- legally represented understand the full scope of the thing. that. And there,
0: there's a certain unfair advantage which that can create, especially if someone is being um, untruthful, as that guy was being, which was, for example, he he's telling a layperson that a court date is to come and it's been set down. A lawyer, any kind of competent lawyer certainly, will... Cross-check that. That's right. And we we have, for example, an account which allows us to access court dates. It, we are well aware of how to look that up ourselves, um, such that that lack of truthfulness from him is is very much mitigated. That's right. But for someone who's, I mean, uh, I can't imagine that lay person would have any clue that that portal even exists. Or frankly. that there
1: are um, applications that are able to be brought, which are not just don't, yeah. not real.
0: Yeah, they're, you they're can't like,
1: bring it. We, this, this happens oh. from time to time when I speak to people on my um, free telephone consults, oh. they say to me things like, oh, they're going to say they're going to be seeking costs. I'm like, how? It's a no cost jurisdiction. Oh, they're going to put a counterclaim in. This is not a jurisdiction that one can do that. It's mm. you, you hear this stuff all, all the time, this kind of language that gets thrown about. And that's okay if it gets thrown about by two lay people just chucking mud at each yeah. other. But when there's a solicitor doing that, people believe it. Yes. and It becomes and, scary. Yeah.
0: And, uh, it can also put us at conflict with our own clients,
1: um,
0: especially if they are the ones who are paying for a lawyer and the other side is choosing not to, um, they can very much see it as a situation where their lawyers, the ones that they're paying for having to be essentially assisting the other side in circumstances when they're in conflict.
1: It's really interesting. And anyway, this person was struck off for getting up to that sort of mischief and um, didn't matter. He had 10 years of good practice behind him. That was the end of it. Interesting. I think there's another one you're going to like bogus Gold Coast solicitor banned from running the practice. I think this is one of your favorites. Of I've heard,
0: I have heard <laughs> and read about this one. If it's the one I'm thinking about.
1: Justice Burns decision. Martin Burns decision comes from more the two and a half years um, after the Queensland Society won a Supreme Court injunction restraining more. Who was operating a bar law firm Stenton and Moore from engaging in legal practice or holding herself up as a qualified practitioner. So I'm just going to read a little bit about this because this case is fascinating. Um, the court told was told Moore first appeared as a so-called solicitor when the independent law practice Stenton and Moore sprung up in bar in January 2014. Um, in his 11-page decision, the Justice Justice Burns said to the extent that, that that this name was intended to convey the impression that two persons named Stretton and Moore were qualified providers of legal services to say in the least was misleading. Um, Graham Stretton was legally qualified. Mm-hmm. Ms Moore was not. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... And she wasn't able to run a practice anywhere else. Um, and then lack of any um, legal credentials more commenced work in the practice from the inception holding herself out to be the executive officer and remained there after mr Stretton left so they, so you've
0: got a situation where uh, Stretton more there's there's no legally trained people running the, anyone or, or at any all whole.
1: there's no lawyers there no, at all no there's only one person and she's not a lawyer right. um the llc submitted that law Moore made two deceitful attempts to install i love this To install someone as the legal practitioner director of the company in a bid to keep the necessary statutory appearances.
0: So, so it's enough to actually not for that, not for lawyers actually do the work, but to just simply have them on the books in order. That's right.
1: um, Both attempts failed, including one appointment with a reputable practitioner without his knowledge or consent. (laughs) So So she
0: forged someone's.
1: I assume so. Just pretended that he was passing off as them. Board,
0: Jeez, that, that alone i think will get you struck off.
1: um apparently 42 clients of stratton and Moore made claims against the queensland law society's fidelity fund guarantee fund resulting in compensation payments of 570 thousand dollars <laughs> there was a 430 thousand dollar deficiency in the trust fund
0: so just for everyone out there <laughs> what, what, what are we talking about when we're thinking about uh, claims from clients in relation to trust funds
1: yeah so yeah this is all about them going i paid where is it
0: and the money's no longer there it's
1: no longer there it's
0: no longer there so these people have paid upfront for legal work and she's from my understanding essentially run off with the money spent it she's gone moved it
1: and in fact it says the serious nature real likelihood that she was might engage in similar nature means that she can't do this anymore Moore did not participate in proceedings against her and failed to appear at the hearing i'm not surprised <laughs> i'm not surprised, either. <laughs> I'm, not surprised. <laughs> I'm
0: not surprised because either. the two issues there are i mean oh there's really three isn't there there is the fact that she performed legal work when she is not a lawyer mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then the I'm not sure what Someone's passing off shit. Yeah, I'm not sure what the, the word is, but uh, stealing someone's identity uh, and claiming that they're part of your...
1: It's just a wh- you would,
0: In order to do so, you'd have to be incredibly dishonest. You would have to find out uh, or either fake their signature... Um, Right, documents are uh, proposed to come from that person.
1: Uh, it just goes off the kazam. So they. And then they, to
0: just actually steal money.
1: She started a law firm that met, that pretended to have two people in it. And there was only one, and then there was nobody, and she was just running as if she. What? Why was the end game here? And then she just that she was just yeah, and then she just disappeared with uh, the money, I guess, five hundred thousand
0: dollars. Thanks. And uh, she. I'm not sure about the others that we've been mentioning, but for. Certainly, I remember getting an email from the the Queensland Law Society uh, because she got put on a do not hire list.
1: And in fact, we've talked about this list. Yes, it's a
0: blacklist. I can't imagine it's too long, but.
1: Have you ever looked at it? I
0: have not. There's about
1: 30 names on it the last time I looked.
0: So there's 30 people that if you are a a law firm, you just can't. You should be. What
1: surprises me about that list is how many people who have names yeah well they'll be you know stephanie rice and then it'll be stephanie ripe and then stephanie and then it'll be stiff rice or and it's always once
0: a crook always a crook (laughs) wow
1: wow unbelievable so i have another one here i've got several of them but i've got a few more but this one is really fun i I actually feel sorry for this poor sod so the respondent was different (laughs)
0: usually they they have no sin.
1: Well, I mean, from the
0: rest of us no no sympathy.
1: Sympathy. well I kind of do because I understand how hard it is to get it right in a law firm and how, how yeah. any mistake is punishable by death yeah. um, this solicitor was struck off by the way <clears throat> so the respondent was admitted to a legal as a legal practitioner in 2014 mm-hmm. and he was employed by Wayne Wong and associates from 2014 to 2017 um, so probably about two years Yes. now there was a couple of things that he did okay so episodes one and two the first episode involved the respondent misleading the vendor's solicitor and his failure to lodge a liquor license in the time, and then made false representations to this vendor solicitor that the liquor license had been approved <laughs> in order to secure a settlement. Then um, he went to great lengths to fraudulently create a fake liquor license. So what
0: he's, he's for whatever reason forgotten to do something he's got a
1: pilot it's been rejected
0: he's, he's in trouble now from his client
1: and now he needs to produce he's,
0: he's trying to uh <laughs> to, to fix a problem and keep his repu- keep yeah. his reputation with his client
1: but wait intact. there's more instead of stopping there he did not stop there not withsta- notwithstanding all of this um he took carriage of a matter and uh required him to make a claim for compensation on behalf of a client of 180 grand the matter was under the supervision of Mr. Wong. However, the respondent fa- failed to file the required documentation and lied to the client about the progress of the claim. Right.
0: So a similar, a similar problem. Here we go it's, again. Uh, yeah. Here we go again.
1: Following the client's queries, the claim's progress. The respondent withdrew a check from his own personal account for fifteen grand, and then one hundred and sixty-five thousand dollars from the trust account, forging his boss's signature.
0: So, so. <laughs> In order to set and make the client feel as though they've won,
1: he took the money from his own they, account.
0: The client's just going to see some yep. 185 grand. He's emptied
1: his out. own account and yep. he's also emptied the trust account right. of $165,000, forging his boss's signature. Yep. Okay. The respondent fraudulently purported to be the client, created a false email account, and dishonestly <laughs> corresponded with Mr. Wong, advising that the bank cheque had been returned. <laughs> what? So this is. So, so once Mr. Wong, The reason was because once Mr. Wong found out all about this, he asked the respondent to contact the client and get him to return the funds. So instead of doing that, he created a fake email account right. and Right. Continued- so
0: the client still thinks they've won. <laughs>
1: still thinks they've won
0: because. They haven't even been asked to give the money back.
1: Okay, so for obvious reasons, as a result of his wrong, wrongdoings, so a practitioner was charged with theft and <laughs> obtaining a financial advantage by deception and was convicted on both accounts. So I, the reason why I feel sorry for him I and mean, he was disbarred because of the, the conduct.
0: There's no, there's simply no ways that But
1: can. you've got to worry. I mean, when we, when we were, I mean, you're still relatively new, but you've moved past the junior solicitor range. When you're young and law, every mistake you make is so critical because you, you feel like you, you don't
0: know any different.
1: You don't know any different. And you feel like the next mistake is the one that gets you fired. Yeah. And you always feel that more because we have to be so perfect all the time. And this poor chap probably felt like that. Yeah. He just made the wrong decisions. goes back to the fit and proper problem.
0: And his, his fundamental failing here is probably one which is related to his ego. Um, and this, the inability to deal with the stress involved with the job. And
1: you're absolutely right. Because that,
0: that those circumstances which would have led to it, which just having not read the case but i can, <laughs> just, I can <laughs> you can
1: see it flow out i
0: can see it happening he's at a situation where um the two clients involved may be valuable of some description yeah um and his,
1: his boss is particularly fiery
0: and he's struggling to keep up with the work whether that be the quality or the difficulty of the work itself, or, or the quantity, and he's he's made mistakes, mistakes which I mean, many solicitors have made in the past, albeit those were quite on the bigger side. <laughs> I
1: love the the fraud um, the fraud aspects of that, just making shit up. Just
0: <laughs> oh no, I was saying about the fact that he didn't uh, file the various. Oh, that time.
1: it's just yeah. But
0: the problem he had, I think, was that he he wasn't open about the mistakes no and in fact and and, and instead of instead of putting his hand up and admitting his fault knowing full well that that might lead to being fired um chose to act dishonestly, and that's in their lives the problem and you can see why they might have struck him off because that might happen again and it probably will
1: and it says the an unusual feature of the case was that no personal benefit was gained, unlike the lady who stole $500,000. Okay. Um, rather, it was appeared to, that his dishonest actions were driven by a desire to avoid embarrassment for his mistakes yeah. due to his lack of insight into his misconduct and failed to take steps to rehabilitate. They had no choice but to remove him.
0: Because the circumstances, the ingredients of that little disaster is going to happen again and again and again. And, and he obviously doesn't have... Something in his persona that is able to just
1: not fit and proper.
0: He's not genuinely we, fit proper. as lawyers for, for different reasons.
1: Lawyers so, make mistakes just like everybody else does, but our mistakes can be quite devastating for somebody else. It's not just devastating for us as lawyers, which yeah. can be because um, some mistakes we make can be career ending. But mm-hmm. needless to say, no matter what mistake we make, whether it's career ending or not, one has to admit to it, and we have to have the the, the fortitude of um, what is it uh character yeah to be able to go you know what that was a mistake i made it it's the end of my career but I, I'll, I'll yeah I'll the, the, it.
0: the ability to put the interests of someone else because as lawyers, your clients are mm. putting their very much their interest in your hand and it's the ability to basically put their interest Before above your ours.
1: Own. that's right because
0: if he had to put his hands up and, and in the, i mean hopefully he would have just never done the wrong thing in the first place but
1: um, if he had once not he, once made he had the made, application, yeah, once even, he had
0: made the mistakes, he also put his hand up ex- said that he'd done the wrong thing. And there was a good chance he probably would have been fired and that may have been legitimate,
1: but he gets but, to practice another day. That's right. Yeah. And he, he may have been disciplined for missing the date from a, from the LSE point of view, but, they but wouldn't it would have
0: not have been
1: wrong. the same. No, Admit it, admit fast. Have that, have that, um, char-
0: transparency, open
1: character. Uh, this is one that came up uh, really, really recently in mm-hmm. August this year. Um, so this month, um, this is about post box lawyers.
0: Right, so remember, what are we talking about when you say? Yeah,
1: because uh, remember this came up and I said to you, what is a post box lawyer? What's going on here? When yeah, I've
0: heard, I've heard, I've heard a similar term, but when they're saying post box, what, what do they mean? Yeah,
1: so what they mean essentially is is the lawyer is the middle person and the person here is making all the decisions, filtering it through the lawyer mm-hmm. and giving it to the client. Yes. The trouble is we are meant to be the ones advising the client independently.
0: We are not postal service. We're not
1: a postal service. And we, we have this from time to time with our own clients where they just say, you know what? I and. I want you to write this and I want you to send it on your letterhead on your letterhead. And that's getting close to being a postal solicitor, because what we have to do is take our skill and expertise, advise our client accordingly and do the best thing for our client. Yes, we must act. We must, we must act on client instructions. But if our client is not listening to us, then we're just the wrong fit.
0: Yeah. And it goes to uh, the, your duties, your three duties. And it's important to remember that the first one is to the court. And if the client is asking us to simply say whatever they want them to us, whatever they want us to say, knowing full well that that might be detrimental to the, the proceeds of justice or whatever that might be, then we're not doing our
1: duty. No, we're not. And this is all about a litigation funder the solicitor who was doing the class action and the peeps on the other side of this, you know, the, the clients and what was happening was this litigation fund was basically calling the shots and, and not, and making it and doing it in their own interests. Because, yeah. of course, it's a litigation. They're a business. And that, that is, that's fine. Every right to do that. But to the, so, the solicitor issue. should be acting as that middle person to be acting in the best interest of the client, to say no. And this was a problem. Mr. Zeta's lack of self motivation to identify his failings and the inability to fully accept the significance of his conduct was noted in the justification of striking him from the role. In a reflection of his views towards the appropriate ethical conduct during the time highlighted, he was not capable of discharging his responsibilities in the administration of justice. So again, we're talking about how, the, how our administration of justice is. Mr. Zeta accepted that he should not have agreed to take on the case initially, given his inexperience mm-hmm. with class actions, mm-hmm. and accordingly he acknowledged that he would not have been involved in complex commercial litigation, such as this one in the future. While he contended that he was manipulated, he had since suffered great detriment to his public and personal life and the court noted again that his personal circumstances would not be taken into account.
0: Isn't that interesting that they've uh, highlighted the fact that he picked and chose the wrong case?
1: Something that, that,
0: um, I mean, we're certainly cognizant of.
1: We as solicitors are asked by the community to provide competent legal advice. Mm. It's really a bottom line issue, right? Yes, there's nothing wrong with general practitioners out there touching everything and and having a bit of an idea and doing things. But how deep do you go? Yeah. You know, we have clients that ask us about the odd commercial thing. Oh, do I need to pay super on that? I'm not a tax lawyer, no. but I can say I can repeat what the ATO says and says if it's ordinary earnings, then yes. Mm-hmm. What is ordinary earnings is not a matter for me to no. make a decision on. But if I delve into that tax and tell them what an ordinary earning is, then and they hear that, act on it, then why aren't I responsible for that?
0: Because the the clients didn't have any reason to believe, not to believe me, um, and. We certainly advocate for it being to stay in stay in your lane,
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and to make sure that you're only really doing what you feel comfortable. Because when you don't do that, is when you find yourself one, it's generally quite unprofitable, but two, you end up doing things such as just relying on your funder to give you whatever, to tell you what to do next.
1: Yeah,
0: um, and I can certainly see where he went into problems there. I mean. Uh, You know, here in MJT, we're a small team. I don't think we could do a a class action. action. Hell no, we wouldn't have the resources for it, and we wouldn't be able to provide that.
1: There are and and yeah, and I intellectually know that there are special rules about class actions that I don't actually know how they work in practice. Yeah, you know, and and I'm not a stupid person. I can sit there and learn it, but actually, this job is better to someone who knows how to do that better.
0: And uh, going back to one of the other cases, it is put in the interests of the client before your own. Because sure. I'm sure that that class action would be really profitable. That's
1: right. For the firm itself. For the firm
0: and for anyone involved. Yeah. But it's not in the client's yeah. interests.
1: Is it, is it Trilby Miso that was born from that one? That Could be. I know they do do some. Bro, what is that? Eric Brockovich or whatever?
0: Brock, I think that's Shine.
1: Shine lawyers, which just kind of grew up from a single, because they had the mm. money all of a sudden. To, yeah. It's very, I mean, the whole concept is very interesting, but you can't do it if you're not great at that.
0: You need to stay in your lane.
1: You need to stay in your lane. Now this one solicitor acts for friends.
0: Yes, the classic. The classic. <laughs> right. the classic uh, I've got a. I've got a legal question. What should I do at the barbecue?
1: That's so right. That's right. The <laughs> correct
0: answer to that is. I have no I idea. Don't know. Dude. I don't do that at all. Well,
1: this guy. Say, this guy's a sole practitioner. So he had the right practicing certificate, but in the area of migration. Huh? And he received. This is, this is, this is the interesting thing. Mr Indros received $7,000 in advance from his clients for services. When he held a practicing certificate that did not authorize receipt of trust monies. So what are
0: we talking about with
1: And he put the funds into his personal bank account.
0: Uh, so he doesn't have, he's not allowed to have
1: yeah. a trust so account for, for everyone out there. Mm-hmm. Um I have to get I have to seek permission from the law society to handle trust monies mm-hmm. and the re, and there's a bunch of things I have to do to show the law society that I know what I'm doing okay. and one of them is create a new bank accounts <laughs> um so the the general funds and the trust funds are not intermingled yeah and this is exactly what he did um he wasn't authorized to receipt trust money so he didn't get that permission from mm-hmm. the law society so And he placed trust monies into his own personal account. He was aware that this was a breach, claimed that his relationship with the client went beyond normal client lawyer relationship due to their long standing connection. Really? Obviously, the the commission didn't buy it. The tribunal rejected this reasoning. (laughs) synthesize that trust monies were sacred and the proper handling of such monies was fundamental obligation of a solicitor the tribunal noted that acting for friends cannot be justified as an excuse to depart from the usual practices yes
0: because bring back where, does, where does that where does that end i mean
1: it's it, a well that has no bottom dude well. and
0: i mean just because you're your friend doesn't mean you have to treat them any differently i mean you should be treating everyone as though it's the highest highest volume of
1: of care but he went further than this So he was demonstrating what was required in a visa application by showing somebody else's CV, but they didn't redact. The entire CV was there to see. And that was that that was a a breach of confidentiality. confidentiality. And the the Victorian um, Legal Services Commission submitted that it would have taken little effort to redact sensitive information from the documents. um, But the tribunal was still not satisfied that it would have been appropriate to present it anyway, of course. they clients expect their personal information to be that they provide to the lawyers to be treated with complete confidentiality
0: yeah. and that this comes from one of the very first things we were speaking about which is what the public perceives about us because that governs how we go about our our legal practice and we still have problems about this yeah almost every day where clients aren't aren't comfortable giving us information which we we need in order yeah. to provide uh, the, the right legal advice uh, for fear of this, and we certainly reiterate that, that we, we keep do all, keep things We keep everyone's
1: secrets. We, I've, you know, I've kept secrets for a decade. It's you keep you keep everyone's secrets. No, That's what no, we do.
0: There really is no scuttlebutt that happens.
1: There is no scuttlebutt. There is no wiggle room. It is secret. It is and secret it because so. if
0: if if it wasn't that no one would be giving us any information and we wouldn't be able to do our jobs, frankly.
1: Nope. So he goes further. What he does starts doing is falsifying government information, um, emails from government, because he right. was getting lots of pressure from his family Mate, members to give updates. To get updates. Yeah. And uh he failed to respond to statutory information requests from those organizations. Yeah. And they just said a frequent argument raised by the practitioner was that he felt pressured to act for the clients due to their personal relations and that his mistake was not being able to say no. While the tribunal recognised the practitioner's intention to never enrich himself, it was emphasised that lawyers must not, must nevertheless be professional and put their professional obligations first, regardless of the personal connection."
0: In their lies. Again. The, the couldn't have summed it up any better about the problems of acting for friends when do you have to say no you have to be tough love often
1: oh tough love yes and uh and
0: yeah you know for, for long-term listeners before i was in employment law, i was in family law mm. and certainly where i used to work and absolutely lived by this was to not do any work for friends and family oh. um one of the one of the other kind of interesting issues that we used to arise you might not want to know because one you need your clients to be absolutely forthcoming and yeah. and on one hand, they're probably not going to tell you everything you need to know because they want to preserve their own relationship with you. But even if they do, you might not want to know about it. No, you might because we're gonna you're gonna learn everything at that point, and you might find yourself without a friend uh, after it, um, and it's gonna kind of compromise you as well.
1: Yep. So this is another one, nine-year bang. So I'm just gonna do this one as an overview, but he, they basically caused detriment and distress and confusion and frustration to clients, was dishonorable, blatantly dishonest and deceitful, engaged in conflict that caused financial loss or disadvantage to our clients, grossly overcharged clients (laughs) and dishonestly inflated invoices, mishandled trust monies, disobeyed lawful instructions and directions from the board of the appointed managers. So when it was finally found Mm -hmm. out there was somebody else looking over him and failed to meet reasonable standards of competence and diligence. (laughs) This <laughs> is like yeah. Great. Nine years later, dude. Nine years, he's lost his tax certificate.
0: for has, has has come over that person, I believe.
1: Yep. He says rather than ask for help or refer clients to another firm, he acted, which he actively avoided. <laughs> he continued to juggle files and damage the legal and financial interests of the clients.
0: So, it took as over and over. This is how much he was paying. Right. How much he was charging yeah taking all the work he possibly could yeah. given the ones that you knew they shouldn't that's right um just essentially to make money to make fun
1: yeah
0: and failing to stand their way yep
1: yeah. i've got two last ones yes these are really juicy
0: yeah. i left
1: the good ones to last the first yeah. one is the ipswich solicitor of paul pastali yes a and of those who are uninitiated, you can Google Paul with Staley, but I think he was found at the airport with a suitcase full of money, right?
0: Yes, there's, <laughs> he's in, currently in prison for corruption. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, if you were to put it as...
1: And I'm not sure whether his lawyer was is still in prison, but he was certainly sentenced to 18 months <laughs> jail. Right, so and this is for extortion.
0: So we're, when we're thinking about extortion, we're thinking about... Uh, threatening something in order to create a financial Exactly.
1: Plan. So the tribunal, um, th- this is all about the conduct from the solicitor's point of view, yep. and we'll just go back to what we originally said. Yes, there's lots of criminal action here, but what we're talking about is a fit and proper. Yep. Is uh, is the conduct suitable for a solicitor? The tribunal headed by the Judicial Menu, His Honourable Duncan Meakin, it was left with no alternative but the strike off McKenzie to protect the public and the reputation of the legal profession. So once again, we go back. Mm. Mackenzie was sentenced to 18 months jail found, um, after a, the district court found him guilty of one count of extortion, and he was oh, his sentence was suspended after serving nine months in custody. Okay,
0: he yeah, nine months, yeah.
1: He was convicted of extortion for sending a letter of demand without reasonable cause at the request of Pasali. Apparently, during November, second November 2020, um, hearing McKenzie challenged an application by the Queensland Law Society, arguing. He is now a changed man.
0: All right. So he's, he's, he's realised the error in his ways and now he's, he's suddenly turned the corner, has he?
1: Yeah. And he says, there's no alternative available that will sufficiently protect the public and the reputation of the profession um, other than to recommend his name be removed from the role. All right. So... Again...
0: It's 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 great. I imagine. Yeah, uh, greed I mean, is his problem—he got
1: up to all um, sorts of mischief, as you can imagine, and he did it on the, you know, uh, on the whim um, of
0: of someone else who was doing the wrong thing. That's right. Um, and I mean, I don't know too much about him, but I imagine he's fairly senior in nature, and it's fairly difficult to argue that someone who's so senior could change the spots so fast.
1: Well, I. I think, yeah, there's, there's probably a lot reading between the lines here we don't know about. We we haven't, you know, sat mm. there during the criminal trial and found out what all the other mischief that could have been up to that didn't mm. get in front of the commission because it wasn't quite that sort of thing. Mm. But, yeah, um, we're not allowed to try to extort on behalf of our clients. No, and there's no, a fine line there. I think yeah. when we write letters saying, look, our client has this action that's available to him, but he's willing to make... A, um, make concessions in order to give up those rights. That's one thing. But just plainly saying that this is what's happening when it's not mm. and I want money from you when the thing that you're claiming is happening isn't is extortion. Yeah.
0: It's when the um, certainly when there is no actual legal recourse that you are threatening or, or, or proposing to to proceed with. Yeah and that kind of also goes to the issue about um dealing with lay people yes which is they might just simply believe you and give ten thousand dollars
1: and these two in people, circumstances where there's no yeah no and in this situation there were lay people who they were talking to so they got you know there was this whole problem with that
0: because i mean where where does that also where does that end i mean if we allowed that then lawyers could just start essentially bsing and send letter demands to everyone talk about acts that don't even exist and,
1: and hope that something sinks and we get the money we want
0: one percent works
1: yeah and that's all you need matter. I mean essentially we would be the Nigerian scam artists
0: essentially yeah. Yes. The, the
1: phone call where you get look <laughs> yes. out this is the ATO look out the police are at your door that type of
0: it's essentially the exact same, same thing just, just just a different.
1: bit more finesse yes <laughs> so this one is my all-time favorite case um, this is about Robin Tampa. S- this is Chappelle Corby's lawyer here in Australia. I S- 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 love this case. This case actually came up um, when I was getting to the sort of, I was, I was still studying and uh, this was a very fascinating case. So I'm going to read out, I actually got the case itself, and I'm going to read out some of the the more interesting parts. Now, Ms. Corby had been charged in in Indonesia in October 2004 with a number of serious criminal offences arising from allegations of drug smuggling. Now, I just want to remind everybody, this is not about, this this case is not about Chappelle Corby. This case is about the solicitor and his behaviour.
0: Yes, in defending her.
1: In defending her, in in February 2005, Ron Bakker retained Houlihan lawyers to assist Ms. Corby's Indonesian lawyers in representing her. The client agreement set out the work to be undertaken as part of the retainer. Now I'm going to read it, but it's very broad. The firm will undertake all steps necessary to assist the Indonesian legal team currently representing Chappelle Corby against drug charges in Indonesia, which shall include, but not be limited to, investigating the claim, gathering evidence, providing advice in respect to the claim, attending all procedures necessary to dis- uh, for the disclosure of the Australian and other bodies of information relevant to the defence, including attending it at conferences, representing it but those bodies, appearing before the media. So on and so forth. So yep. this is this. You can see where this is going. So that's the scope. In a television interview published on the 26th of June to- 2005 on the Channel Nine program Sunday, Mr. Tempoe disclosed the content of, of a conversation he had had in Indonesia um, with the client, mm-hmm. and uh, and further commented on the confidential information by saying that Mercedes Corby had lied to him. And in disclosing the, and commenting on confidential information, the respondent breached his duty of confidentiality to his client, Ms. Chappelle Corby. Yeah.
0: So it's, kind of, it's a private conversation. It ought to be kept that way.
1: That's right. And he was arguing at the time that this information was, to the, was in the public already, so not confidential. And in fact, but in any event, he wasn't a client of... The Mercedes wasn't a client of his.
0: No, but certainly Chappelle's case is something that is confidential. yeah
1: he says in my view this represents professional misconduct it is fundamental to the relationship between the solicitor and client that the legal practitioner will not reveal confidential information and it's hard to think of a more egregious breach to do than to do it on national television
0: Mm, it's not about the recipient or the conversation for who you have in the conversation with it's about what you're speaking about
1: yep that's right so he was disclosing confidential information and he did it on national television um, and that's in perpetuity. You just look it up. I mean, you can watch just, it. Unbelievable. Repeat, what was he thinking? It's repeating
0: on, on time and time again. I mean, you're just recording.
1: What was he thinking? Um, the second charge is an allegation of unsatisfactory professional conduct. That is, in the course of Mr. Tempoe's participation in the documentary, Chappelle Corby, The Hidden Truth, mm-hmm. he made statements which were scandalous, offensive, and or likely to bring the
0: profession into disrepute. What did, what did, he, what did he say that, that was so...
1: Particulars Scans. of charge two. Mr. Tempore um, willingly participated in um, a documentary. The documentary was on broadcast in Australia between the twenty second, twenty fourth of June. Documentary by giving interviews, making comments, and allowing stuff to be recorded. In the course of his participation in the documentary, Mr. Tempo made the following statements and/or comments, which are scandalous, offensive, and libelous. Referring to Ms. Corby's family, he said, "These are the biggest, the biggest pile of trash I have ever come to across in my life." I've never, I've never seen a more ungrateful, um, nasty piece of work than this woman and this family. He also absorbed, I am watching Roz, Roz, Rose Lee, whatever her fucking name is, Corby, (laughs) on TV last night, because now she thinks she's a fucking rock star, superstar, talking to Ray, putting shit on uh, everybody, on everybody. He also said, what a fucking change of um you know looking at the family and they were over fucking doing the trial couldn't have been happier he said speak to the brother speak to the younger brother speak to the older brother that's what downer said to me look at the brothers his own office knows what's been going on this family believes it they believe they're fucking they believe their own shit mate (laughs) television
0: I mean, the fact that that made it to air is very interesting.
1: There are so. another statement that was called the baggage handler's defense. And those yes. who are in Australia know very well this, this whole story. Um, it was apparently a defense which sought to lay blame on what had occurred on the bag, um, on baggage handlers. He said that respect to the, um, respect to that baggage handling defense, it's got nothing to do with the case. Three weeks to put the defense together. I put a defense together. Baggage handlers don't, didn't put drugs in the bags, nothing to do with it. But now, now, now she believes it. They're all fucking believing <laughs> it. It's not true. It's insane in national television. That's why you can't put direct evidence, baggage handlers, because they didn't do it.
0: Right, so he's, he's, he's lied. <laughs> he's lied to the court.
1: In the response to the question, he said, I don't give a shit. We want to fucking attack me? I give you a defence. I take it away as fast as I give it. I'll take it away. Laughing. Yeah. Sorry about that, guys. You poor butters, Now nah, I won't do it again. Thanks for the defence, though.
0: <laughs> so he's put, uh, these poor baggage handlers laughed through hell. It's
1: right. It's said to refer to the gain to the baggage handlers' defence, presumably addressed the baggage handlers who were wrong, who were wrongly claimed by him were responsible. Now the court went on to say. Um, that is said to refer to the baggage handler's defence, presumably as addressed um, to the baggage handlers who were wrongly claimed. Now, the court this is what the court mm-hmm. was saying. What is of greater concern in those comments is that he is representing in the information conveyed to the public that the role of the criminal defence is to make up a defence mm-hmm. which can be taken away. It is clear when he says, I give you defence, I'll take it away. This is certainly likely to bring the legal profession into disrepute with the public. In fact, a person acting as a criminal defence legal practitioner cannot under any circumstances invent facts or invent a defence. To say such a thing is scandalous and is likely to cause the public to lose confidence in not only the legal profession but in the criminal justice system because it suggests that in a response to a legal to a criminal charge, that one should that one should do is find a legal practitioner who will make up a defence for an alleged offender. Nothing could be further from the truth.
0: And in there lies lies his problems. Um, uh, I know that we've spoken about this before, which is. Uh, if you don't have any evidence, direct evidence as he's called it there, to prove a defence, so there's nothing, he held no evidence to say that these baggage handlers did it, then you can only go, your defence, if that's what his defence, if that's what the defence is going to be, it can only go so far as what we would call putting them to evidence, yeah. which is to, to try and create reasonable doubt. Um, but only by attacking their their claim. As in yeah. making sure that they prove beyond a reasonable doubt, um, every point at which the drugs passed from from Chappelle to the end when when the police when picked the, it up.
1: Yeah, when the bag was
0: open, open. And and certainly you can you can ask questions of the of the police to say you know, did Chappelle ever have, you know, was there at any time where she didn't have control of the bag? And the answer is yes. And there may, that may be, um, reasonable doubt. And it's then up to the prosecution to put forward evidence to say that the, those, the baggage handlers didn't put it in there themselves, but that's very different to what he did. That's right. Very, very different to what he, did. he actually affirmatively
1: yeah, he actually, stated that he,
0: these he made these were the people that did and
1: criminalized people who shouldn't have been criminalized on this
0: point i mean it's it's if you think about it more in uh in some cases which you know people people know more about when you think about a murder child mm. um is to just let's say let's say just give it a, 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 you know, an example is if a partner kills their other partner mm and your defense is the brother did it yep there's or, no reason to believe that there is no evidence to suggest that the brother did yep. it
1: or um, you know somebody came in the middle of the night broken the boogeyman
0: and, yeah, yeah the
1: boogeyman did it yeah You you're, look you're absolutely right i think I mean, people think that lawyers lie for a living and this is a case that shows that we absolutely are not allowed to no we absolutely. can only deal with the information that's in front of us in a truthful way hmm.
0: and you know it goes further than just this idea that we can somehow bend the truth. Mm. It's, it's just not simply the case. Um, it, it, it's quite an intricate um, ethical kind of requirement.
1: In way. It is interesting because in the end, he was struck off, but it didn't work. Chappelle Corby was still convicted as a drug smuggler in Indonesia and served time for that. Mm. So in the end, the defense didn't work, but he, he ended up being struck off.
0: What about the fact that, that he was lying to a foreign
1: court. I I think the whole thing, because it says he... I mean, I know
0: he was lying in in, in the the court, you know, he was lying in Australia, but it was in relation to a different court Um,
1: I I think it doesn't matter, Mm. because they're talking about putting the legal profession in disrepute. It's not about who he was lying to or the detriment to the baggage handlers as such, although they do tap on that. This is about how we are perceived in the public to administer justice
0: and if he's willing to lie uh blatantly in order to achieve probably a more of a personal yeah, just, gain rather i, I know i, just what the I know I know, I know if chappelle if it had worked chappelle would have certainly have have gotten a personal benefit to that yeah. but i, I suspect that, that wasn't what this was about yeah. this was about him achieving a personal outcome it, it must may have been money
1: yeah because
0: i imagine you got quite a lot of fees from there may have been a certain reputational gain well if it had have worked assume that none of this comes out as soon as she gets acquitted um but you know the idea that you someone's able to or willing to lie in order to achieve that goal lie to a court whether it be a foreign jurisdiction or not
1: well it's really interesting because he says you know the baggage handed defense has got nothing to do with the case three weeks to put a defense together i put a defense together Mm so i i think mm. you're right this is about ego if he had told the lawyers that were instructing them look dudes what do you want me to say i've got no evidence that she didn't do it there's mm. nothing there mm. I, I can't produce something out of nothing mm. do you think that that's what the motivator was his belief that they would have gone somewhere else and they would have paid someone I believe else to do so.
0: i believe so and, and the, what the Fallon to do there and not something that we do which is to kindly tell the client. Yeah. So, Let it go. Well, you might it, lose a
1: lot of money, but you're not losing any money, really, because it was never yours it to begin with. It was never yours
0: to begin with. Um, because, frankly, that money shouldn't have ever been acquired. No. Because there was no defense to, no. to put forward, um, and at least not in the way that they did it. And he should have kindly said to his client that this is as far as you can take it ethically. Uh, if you, and this is as far if, as
1: I'm willing to take it
0: take it or leave it if yeah. you don't want it then find a different lawyer yeah. and that's completely fine that's ex- it's actually what's to be expected
1: and in fact this is exactly what the um the court was saying about this concept where if you can find a lawyer that you know you just shop around till you find the lawyer that's going to make up the mm. defense for you mm. we don't want that in our profession we we want these people to be disbarred because we want them out of the industry
0: yeah and it also it's it, you know like with any kind of misfinance You've got 5%, which will do it irrespective of, of the rules and things like that. And you've got 5%, which would never do it, even if it was allowed. But then you've got everyone in the middle. And if you allow a profession, which the winners, you know, the, the, the lawyers, which are doing super successfully are all doing the wrong thing. Then of course everyone else is going to follow, oh, and then everyone is doing the same thing.
1: And then people like us will never even have a law firm because everyone will just shop around for that nasty. Yeah, because you won't dodgy lawyer. Because it works. It, yeah. works. it actually works. That's the problem. Mm. We would all turn into organised crime bosses almost. Yeah,
0: but the, the uh, conciliaries or whatever you <laughs> yeah. might find in Godfather. Yeah, yeah so
1: just, just it's just yeah, and I what I think, and there are I mean there are a lot of cases we went through today. Mm. Um, i think that this the underlying truth on this is that we that the commission when they're prosecuting these claims is looking for an underlying administration of justice to keep the community feeling that they've got some faith in us that we're doing the right thing
0: yeah. and uh, it, it all comes down to that idea of what the society and and the profession wants as its lawyers and what they perceive to be fit and proper. And I think with all of those cases, you could kind of point to almost a and it's, it's the reason why they were mostly struck off was there's a fundamental flaw in their personality traits. That's right. Which is, are, is not proper? conducive to being yeah. fit and proper. Because in instances of of doing the wrong thing here and there are not indicative of your of your personality but where it is almost the root cause, you know, take that last case about Chappelle, his root failing.
1: It wasn't going on TV. It was was actually the fact that he did it to begin with. It just, Uh, we just found out about it because he couldn't keep his mouth shut.
0: And his willingness to adhere to ethical codes was only equal to
1: his getting caught for it.
0: Well, equal to any kind of personal gain. If the personal gain outweighs that, Yeah then he's, he's willing to put the ethics aside.
1: We quite often have to make hard decisions about the information that's before us. And I have to give tough love to a number of our clients and just tell them, the story as I understand it yes there's always room wiggle room there I told a chap today that his case basically doesn't exist Mm. in my view because of all these problems Mm. but I also said of course I'm not the decision maker here we have seen cases that we thought we were going to lose that we've we've won and and we've seen and we've seen cases that we thought were really laid out nice and simple Mm. and they've lost so we're not the decision makers in this Mm. but we are the ones if a client doesn't come to me because I haven't given them the news that they want, I just, that, that's fine. I need to be okay mm. with that. And we need to be okay with that as a profession. We're not trying to tell the client what they want to hear in order to gain the fees, Yeah. to get the, yeah. to get the kudos, to get the, um, to get the television appearances. Mm.
0: And yeah. isn't it interesting that, um, yeah, this might come as a surprise to many of our listeners, but some of the most satisfied clients we've had are the ones which we didn't necessarily give them great news. It was that they, they clearly saw that we spent you know considerable time looking into their matter and, and concluded that they've they might not have a strong claim or mm, no claim mm, at all. Mm, mm. And many of them are completely happy with that as a as a thing, knowing. At least they know. Yeah. they know that they've got, they've gotten honest they're, advice. They're not
1: getting the advice that they want to hear, but they feel like that's the advice that is they needed to hear. Hmm. Yeah. I, I think you're right. I've, I've done lots of restraints of trade advices over the years. And sometimes I give sad information to someone. Yes, you're exposed. What you did wasn't, was going to, it's going to hmm. get you in trouble. And others, I say, nah, look, we can, this, this is the way around it. And it's the truth that they feel Com- com- mm. comfortable or confident with it's that, Oh, finally I know. I've yeah. got- Cause it's not, your parents, it's not your mum. it's not your wife or your friends at the barbecue who are, who are really on board, not yeah. all aboard the Melanie train. Yeah.
0: They're on the emotional rollercoaster you know, that you're
1: on. They, they, they want you to win. They think it's all wrong. They can mm. see you being upset. They've seen you crying. They've seen you mm. get angry and they want to be on board on the little Melanie train that choo, 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 choo. And here, here I am as a solicitor standing in the way going, nah, no. No. <laughs> stop everyone get a bit of realism everyone here. Everyone off the ride. Everyone off the Melanie train. Let's get moving somewhere else. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And and but that is our job. And if we if that means we don't get a client, so be it. So be it. <laughs> there's
0: always another client. It's one of the best piece of advice I received when I was first starting, which was: there's always another one. There is there's always actually always another. Client and,
1: and we know about this because we've had clients before. There's always another. And it's always the next <laughs> <client>. <laughs> And Yeah, and and. That's the way it works. I've said, no, I'm not writing that letter. And the client either stays with us or leaves. I'm still here. That's just of not to you. We're still nice. here. Anyway, everyone, thank you very much. It's a very long podcast. I yes. hope you found it quite entertaining. Um, I've le- I left the most juicy ones for last. So. Yes.
0: No, thank you very much. and
1: uh, Hopefully you've got some insight into how lawyers need to think when we're providing advice and what happens to us when we make the wrong decisions. Yes,
0: and hopefully we need
1: to we mm-hmm. never find ourselves yeah. in this position. Um, yeah. Well, certainly, MJT Law. I think it'd be you'd be hard pressed to find yourselves in this position. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, until next time, everyone. Two more weeks. This is us at
1: the Lawcast. See you and later, and thank you for listening and watching, everyone. See ya.